Well, happy October 1, friends. My text is going to be the uh, gospel lesson from Mark 10 today. And I want to start off by asking about directions. Now, I don't want to get personal here, but how many of us do home jobs, repairs, or put things together without ever looking at the directions? Thank you, your sins are forgiven, okay? Now, my first experience with this, my little daughter, who's 41 now, was six years old, and she was getting a Barbie dream house for Christmas. It is one, oh, do you want to share your confession now? <laughs> It's 1 a.m. Christmas morning. I have done services all day long, and I am trying to put this Barbie dream house together, and I have not read the directions. Finally, I had the garage together in one wall, and that's what Liz got for Christmas. The rest of it we worked out already. She got the Barbie dream car. As long as she could put the dream car in the garage, it worked good. It worked good. So, you know, maybe some of you have had those kind of, you know, five trips to the hardware store for the project that was going to take 15 minutes. And Yeah, we've all been there, done that. How many of us Look for the directions when it comes to the relationships of life. Maybe it's somebody we're dating, somebody we're engaged to, somebody we're married to. Maybe we're trying to figure out a problem in our family. How many of us look for the directions? Now, you're thinking right now, Pastor Al, what directions? You know, sometimes there aren't clear directions about some of this stuff in life. Well, maybe you, now that you'd love this, I'm always going to get, maybe you'd go talk to your pastor. Oh, what a novel idea. Or pray. Or maybe you read the Bible. Or maybe you talk to a doctor or a counselor, but somehow you try to get clarity as to what's going on. It gets a little trickier when we go and talk to friends and family, because sometimes friends and family have hidden agendas. So figuring out the directions is not always easy. Did you know that there are over, as they count families now, 35 different family constellations they can define? Okay. What's the number one fastest growing family in America right now? It is grandparents raising their grandchildren. And don't miss for a minute that that is a comment on drug use and what's happening in this country. Also, we have a lot more grandparents 
taking a lot more active role in the lives of their grandchildren because their kids are working. You know, the number two fastest growing family is single mothers raising their children. A lot to think about there. And you know what? The church, the church always hasn't been so good at this stuff. Because for a long time, we thought a family was a mother, a father, and 2.3 children in an SUV in the driveway. That was the family. But as I, as I look at King of Kings, as I look at the world I live in, there are so many different kinds of families. Okay, let me ask you, let's try one more. Let's just see if you can get on Jeopardy or not. What is the number one cause of arguments in relationships? What? Money. Yeah, there we go. Money. Pesos. That we, uh, and because that a lot of times determines control and power. What's number two? Oh, we don't want to say it. It's intimacy. You know, we never talk about that in church, but I will. Well, nobody's crying out, tell me more, Pastor. I mean, yeah, number two is we fight about intimacy a lot, and we do that both verbally and through our actions and all kinds of different ways. What's the number one, three cause of arguments? Extended family. Where are you all? You know, your spouse says to you, by the way, didn't I tell you we're going to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter for the next 10 years? <laughs> oh, yeah, extended. Don't tell me Aunt Thelma's coming again. Family. Now, out of those three, what strikes you as strange about that That list? We're not talking about Jesus. We're not discussing Jesus. We're not, if I use the word, arguing about our faith. That we're just really not spending much time in it. Okay, let's go to Mark 10. Mark 10. We have this rich guy. He's got coin. He's got gold. He's got stocks and bonds. And he drives up to Jesus. Is that a Corvette? I'm sorry? Mustang. Drives up to Jesus in his hopped-up Mustang, gets out, falls on his knees, and he says, Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Oh, yeah, I do that all the time. So, what voices is this rich young guy hearing? Nope, he's hearing the voices of his father and his business partners and whoever he hangs out with. And what are they saying to him? They're saying... Don't forget that flattery goes a long way. So he starts to butter him up. 
tell them, oh man, Lord, you're looking good today. He says, good teacher. Good teacher. And do you know this is the only time in the entire New Testament that Jesus is called good teacher? Only time. So then he gets down to the real question, though. This is the deal maker breaker. Uh, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's wrong with that question? There is no I. This is the most narcissistic person I can find in the New Testament. It's all about me, myself, and I. what can I do? Jesus, what kind of mono-mono deal can we make here? Maybe my people can talk to your people, or maybe I can have you over for dinner some night. But there's got to be a way we can cut a deal here. What has he missed? He's missed that the only way you're going to get eternal life is by watching the good teacher give his life on the cross. The only way you're going to get eternal life is by realizing that the good teacher is also the good shepherd. And he lays down his life for for the sheep, for you and me. And he says, here's eternal life, my gift to you. Just take it. Live it. Okay, what kind of voices do you hear? And I'm not saying those kind of funny, you know, voices that you see on TV where people, you know. But we all have histories. We all carry all kinds of other people in us. What kind of voices do you hear? Let's suppose that I had two people. Let's say Tom and Sue, and this is all made up. Okay, Tom and Sue, 23 years old, and they're members of the church. Let me tell you about Tom's family. Tom and Sue are going to get married. Tom's family have been members of the church Matter of fact, his parents were founding members of the church. Founding members of the church. And his family went to church 50 out of 52 Sundays every year. Mom and dad went to Bible class. Tom was in Sunday school since creation. I mean, they are Lutherans of Lutheran. They pray before meals. They do Advent devotions. They are all in. Now, Susan, her family comes to church four times a year, whether they need to or not. I mean, and they're, they're solid for Easter and Christmas. And they're, they're pretty good on Mother's Day. And usually one Sunday in the fall when it's raining, you know, before football begins at noon, they're here. Okay, otherwise... They're pretty busy people, and they, they don't deal too much with that other faith stuff. And when Tom and Susan came in to talk to the, the pastor about getting married, Tom says, oh, I've lived my life with Jesus Christ here, and I'm so glad we can get married here. Susan says, my wedding pictures are going to look really good with the background of the church. 
okay? What's going to happen when those two get married? And they love each other. But what's going to happen when they get married? Oh, is there going to be a family pull there as to what's going to... And six months after they're married, where's the pressure going to come from? Tom's mother. Maybe the father, too. They're going to say, Tom, are you giving up your faith? And you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, mind your own business. This is something we need to work out. And I want to stop for a minute. For all of us parents who have ever had to talk to our adult children about faith in the church and our hopes and dreams for them, and and we've been told in a nice way, Mind your own business. Peace be with you. There's a word here for us that God isn't done yet and we need to trust him that he will not let go of his kids. But let me complicate this story a little more. Tom's family, the churchgoers, they also love to spend This family can max out a credit card quicker than you can say United States Congress. And for Tom, it's no big deal to see cars get repossessed from their house or all those fancy envelopes that come that say overdue payment. Tom's used to all live for today, go for the gusto. Why wait till tomorrow when you can spend it today? That's Tom's family. Now, Sue's family. They still have the first 20 bucks. They, I had to raise this from a dollar to $20. Okay. Um, but they still have the first $20 they ever make. And they don't buy anything on credit that they don't know how they're going to pay for. Everything is dollar by dollar, and they have a cigar box in their house. Okay, they have a cigar box in their house that has extra cash in it, and it's hidden just in case something should happen. Oh, and by the way, Tom has never heard of a budget. Okay, Sue lives by a budget. So isn't it going to be fun once they finish deciding if they're going to church, how they're going to spend their money? And then let me throw a couple other things in here. Let's throw a little alcohol use in here, or a little drug use, or some health problems, or the loss of a job. All the things that happen, you realize what I'm describing, don't you? I'm talking about the very lives that you and I bring in this church. With the many things going on for us, our worries about family and finances and jobs and health, and thank God they didn't shut the government down last night. And here we come and ask Jesus Christ, Lord, what 
do you have to do with this, with my life? Martin Luther says that our God is that which we fear, love, and trust the most. Oh man, I got a lot of gods in my life. It's kind of interesting when you look at this because wouldn't you all wish that I could just give you the, the directions right now? Be real easy. You know, you take compassion, understanding, forgiveness, hope in Jesus, and throw it all in, and there you have a good Christian family. But we figure out how to screw that up in five minutes. And you look at the New Testament, all the people all the rich people that Jesus dealt with, Joseph of Arimathea, Zacchaeus, all the people around the temple, not once does Jesus tell any of them to go and sell all you have. It'd be so easy if we could ask that question of the rich man this morning, what must I do? And I could answer that for you, why? You should give to Project Uganda. You should buy Thanksgiving, buy a thousand Thanksgiving dinners. Come and work every Saturday that we have a work Saturday here. And then we'd all go, woo, we did it. You know, we've done our thing. But the answer to what must I do is actually found in Mark 10, Right before this gospel lesson, you go back to Mark 10, about verse 13, and the little children are coming to Jesus, and the disciples try to get rid of them, and Jesus says, let the little children come to me, and he blesses them. Because how do little children, did you see the little children up with Pastor Scott this morning? How do little children come? They come with hands wide open and open Hearts. There's the directions, friends. We come with hands wide open and open hearts to Jesus Christ. So like I said at the beginning, it's October 1. Wouldn't this be a good day to ask Jesus Christ to play a more important role in your life? October 1. Wouldn't this be a good day to gather your family together and say, let's pray that Jesus Christ can have a more important place in this family? For with all the ups and downs of life, we come this morning with open hands, open hearts, and we ask, come fill us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.